This is the I Read Comic Books Podcast. I am your host, Mike Rappin. With me this week, two fantastic human beings and a very special guest. Let me introduce Kara Shamborski. Hey. Kate Lamphere. Hi. And David Pepos. David, welcome hey. to the show. Welcome back, man. Oh, thanks so much for having me, guys. I really appreciate you taking the time. Yeah, you know, you were here. We talked about your book, Spencer and Locke, Volume 2, that came out earlier this year. You are on the show this week to talk about another book that you have coming out. Could you tell the listeners at home a little bit about you and what book we're talking about today? Sure. Uh, well, I'm David Pepos, uh, and as was said, I'm the writer of Spencer and Locke and Spencer and Locke 2 over at Action Lab. Uh, we were nominated for a few Ringo Awards uh, for that for our first volume. And I'm here to talk about my new series, Going to the Chapel, which is uh, Die Hard Meets Wedding Crashers. It's about a gang of bank robbers that thinks it would be easier to rob rich people's weddings than it would be to rob banks. They're going to find out just how wrong they are. It's like if uh, uh, Quentin Tarantino had a baby with Arrested Development and then chose to bring that baby to a wedding. <laughs> I love it. I love Gold. it. Well, we're going to talk about that a little bit more in the second half of the show. But for now, I'm going to ask the question that I ask every single week. How have you been? How have comic books been? Let's start with you, Kate. I've been great. I went to the Grand Rapids Zine Fest recently and um, tried to hawk our wares, our, our zine, t-shirt, stickers, etc. And the experience was really great. I'm going to try to go again next year. I've learned a lot, so hopefully I can bring some more people into um, the comic book world from, from the zine world, get some cross fans in there. Heck yeah. Um, <laughs> I read Tokyo Ghoul Volume 2, which I have been looking for casually at my library since I read Volume 1, but for some reason I wouldn't just request it, you know? <laughs> mm -hmm. um, this is by Sui Aishida, and Volume 1 introduces us to Ken, who is attacked by a ghoul, and the ghouls in this world eat people, um, human flesh, and Ken is trying to figure out if he wants to try to remain human, even though he now wants to eat human flesh, or if he's going to embrace the ghoul side of himself. And in this volume, um, he has been working at a cafe that caters to both humans and ghouls, meaning that they, he they do serve human flesh alongside the humans that don't know about this. Casual. And yeah. Yeah, what? <laughs> and one of his eyes gets goes red when he's really angry, which is a which is a ghoul thing, so he wears an eye patch. And part of trying to decide if he wants to live as a ghoul is getting a mask made. And you wear these masks if you think that you're going to have to fight off people who kill ghouls, which are called investigators. So I've been thinking that his commissioned mask is going to be like a Phantom at the Opera, like classy, nice looking thing. No, last page of the comic, he gets this mask and it's like a BDSM, like leather, like zip across the mouth. Oh. <laughs> so it's just like the Jim Carrey movie. <laughs> Um, so the next volume is advertised as um, Ken has to investigate something and he finds a, an undeniable spiral staircase of sadness. That's the description. So okay, <laughs> I think I want to read volume three, but after that description, I'm not so sure. Am I going to need a box of tissues? All right, we're going to catch up with you in like two or three weeks when you've read volume three, K. I yeah. know it's going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then I also picked up a, a sort of nonfiction, um, the life-changing manga of Tidying Up a Magic yes! Story. I love that Kondo one. And Yuko Uramoto. 
Um, yes, that Marie Kondo, who is also called Con Marie, I guess. I don't know if that's just a thing for the manga or if that's a real thing. But That's that's like the name of her method, is the Con Marie method. All right. All right. Well, this is my very first experience with her and her lifestyle ideas and the story. What? What was that? Welcome. Yeah, thank you. This has been my life the last few months. (laughs) Oh, no. Well, I just moved and half of my stuff is still in boxes. So I'm like, does the box of stuff bring me joy? Can I just throw it away? Probably Mm -hmm. not. Mm -hmm. It's probably got like tax information in it or something, (laughs) you know? I need that. Uh, So this story is about this woman who's trying to put her life together. Her entire apartment's a mess. Her life has kind of gotten off the rails. Um, So she meets Con Marie and... She's like, look, these are all the individual steps. I'm going to take you through them one at a time. And then over the course of tidying up her apartment, the girl, you know, meets the cute boy next door and gets into cooking. And it's it's very cute. <laughs> I mean, it's a craze. It's a craze. Still, a I really still see. Ho- it's a really wholesome manga. It. Like yeah, yeah. Kate's, Kate's not wrong. It's like the main things, the biggest things that happen are this girl being like, I've always wanted to cook. Maybe I should cook now. Hey, I cook now. Like, yeah. It's really adorable. Gotcha. Oh, man. Well, uh, I, I feel like eventually I'm going to get to this manga. I, I know that I will need to do it before I move out of New York, whenever that is. So um, I might have to borrow that or find it somewhere. Uh, <laughs> but you know what? Let's, let me ask that question that I always ask over to David. How have you been? How have comic books been? What's been up uh, with you, man? Yeah, uh, I've been doing great. Um, you know, just uh, uh, like I said, I've been uh, we're at the finish line for uh, promoting going to the chapel uh, because issue one drops on Wednesday, September 4th. And uh, yeah, uh, you know, comics, uh, comics have been great. I, I feel like uh, like most people in comics, I've been reading House of X and Powers of X <laughs> yeah. and uh, uh, Jonathan Hickman is, is, is killing it. Um, I'm very excited to kind of see where this story is headed. I think we're I think there's a big twist coming, and um, my speculation is that we are witnessing uh, Moira McTaggart's tenth life, and uh, so the upcoming X Men relaunch is going to be the eleventh life. That's <gasps> my speculation. Um, okay. That's that that's that that is based on nothing other than my own guessing. Uh, but but uh, the line uh, in 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 uh, House of X or uh, number two. Uh, where uh, Moira McTaggart is talking about, uh, uh, or where Destiny tells Moira McTaggart, you have 10 lives, maybe an 11th, if you make the right choice at the end. And, oh, boy. Uh, so spoilers for all of, a lot of this X-Men spoilers. stuff. Spoilers. Sorry. Um, uh, it, so I, I think that's what we're, I think that's what we're headed for. Um, I've been reading uh, Donny Cates and Ryan Stegman's work in Absolute Carnage. Uh, I'm loving it. Uh, I love kind of the mix of, action and horror that they're doing in this in this series um and uh really like i mean i i love donny cates but stegman uh teamed up with uh anchor jp mayer uh some of the best work of his career i think um they're really just kind of killing it and i i definitely am taking notes uh for my own writing and then um you know i i mentioned this in my newsletter last week but uh i've been catching up on chris sabella's work on crowded and test and um 
he's he he's 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 the writer that makes me most jealous because he's so smart and he he just he has all these ideas that he's able to just kind of throw out there like confetti because he's just so smart and he's an idea machine and so um yeah, those are all terrific books. I believe uh, the latest issue of Test actually came out this week. Um, so, yeah. Uh, yeah, if you're not reading Chris's work on Crowded and Test, uh, you really should. Yeah, we had Chris on, I think, right right after he was announced as an Eisner nom for, mm-hmm. for Crowded. And we, he was telling us about Test. It was right before that book came out. And I had wasn't planning on picking it up, but just the conversation and the way he couldn't properly describe the book to us made me go okay i have to try this because i've read a lot of chris's work before and i know the dude can deliver and if he can't properly like not that he couldn't describe it but what he said about it piqued my interest beyond a normal comic book i was like okay i gotta see what the fuck this is about (laughs) and i have not been disappointed no it's 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 super terrific it's kind of like I, i i see it as 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 uh as the stepchild of transmetropolitan um yes. and it's uh you know uh, a lot of fun cyberpunk uh stuff going on and and um yeah it's 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 a counterintuitive book but i think once you realize that oh chris is not playing into that same sort of you know guns drawn kind of uh you know storytelling for test um and he's really getting into the science and sort of the humanity of it you're like oh this is a really interesting fun book so yeah I, I i dig it a lot and i I'm, I'm always jealous of how smart the man is for sure for sure uh well carol what about you what have you been up to how have you been how have comic books been how have i been well you would think that you're like oh but you work at a school your hours are so chill and normally you're sort of correct but this week it was like 12 hour days half the week so i was really excited Ooh. to be a part of our live show on friday which was like i sprinted home from work sat down on the floor of my room with probably a little too much tequila and just had a complete blast talking with everyone about comics and star wars and by the end of the chat i had like done some i got distracted and did some online shopping so now i have pleated jeans coming my way and all the (laughs) reviews all the reviews swear that they're super flattering but i'm like counterpoint i have hips so Mm -hmm. maybe (laughs) so we're gonna gonna find out Uh, in terms of comic books uh i saw that that new raven graphic novel or miniseries turned graphic novel uh, by Cami Garcia, art by Gabriel Piccolo, was on Hoopla. Thank you, library system. So mm-hmm. I read it all in one go. And longtime listeners of the show will know how I feel about Teen Titans. So you can imagine me going in on this book with Raven, one of part of the Wolfman Perez 80s lineup of Titans. I'm just like, I'm already here for this. I know I'm already going to like it. Bring right. it on. And the book is it feels super YA. Like if you are a fan of YA, you should probably read this book because it's like super full of cliches, but you don't care because you enjoy the story so much that it doesn't matter. And basically it starts with Raven, but she has amnesia because she was just in a car crash. So she doesn't remember anything about herself. Spoiler alert for the last like 40 years, her dad's a demon named Trigon and he's trying to like possess her and use her powers for evil or whatever. So basically she's like, where have you been reading X-Men? I know. Shush. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, 
so she's like slowly getting her memory back and her like adopted family is like trying to take care of her and they know stuff but we don't know what it is and you start seeing glimpses of this demon and she's like coming into her powers and she's an empath so she feels people's emotions and can kind of read their minds which in high school you can imagine is probably the worst but um Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and the uh, like I, I enjoyed some like little cameos like Slade Wilson Deathstroke is like in the background in some scenes and it's like if you've read Teen Titans you'd see his eye patch and you're like oh fuck it's that dude but if you don't know him they do a nice job towards the end of being like yeah this is kind of a shady dude but like don't worry about it right now it's fine did we mention we have more of these series coming you should probably get Beast Boy and find out what's going on with this dude so um, I thought it did a really good job of like being a self-contained story but also being like hey this is part of a bigger world and you should probably keep tuning in and the thing that I found I think the most striking about this book was the art was this just totally different vibe from what I'm used to in comics um the, from what I understand, this is the first uh, sequential, like, full comic book that Gabriel Piccolo has drawn. And they did mm-hmm. kind of like a, like, almost like a grayscale watercolor situation for most of the book. But if a character was, like, having a particularly emotive moment, that character was rendered in full color. Like, muted tones but still full color so it helped kind of draw your eye to where you really needed to be without being too intrusive and I thought it worked really well especially for a character like Raven where one of her signature things is this like shadow Raven that kind of emerges and protects her when she needs it and that worked really well with the grayscale as opposed to like getting lost in the background you could really focus on that gotcha yeah I've I've seen lots of preview pictures of this book and it looks absolutely gorgeous i mean gabriel piccolo's art is stupendous he's got a jillion followers on instagram because the the person you know he can draw very well (laughs) Mm -hmm. uh well i'm good did you so overall did you like it though did you get, Um, get some good vibes yeah overall i liked it i did feel like and this may just be like this is a new new to comics creator situation but some of the pacing was distracting because I kept feeling like I was missing pages or maybe a couple pages were out of order. So I don't know if that's just like intentional with the way they did it or if maybe the digital version on Hoopla is like slightly out of order. But um, there were a few pages where I had to go back and be like, wait, what? How did we get Mm -hmm. here? What's happening? So overall positive vibes, but I'm definitely interested to see their next collection which is going to be beast boy coming out in the summer um and see if that has they've like got more of a rhythm as a creative team but cool. uh yeah total i'm totally this is like the whole like french comic thing where they put out one a year like i'm completely willing to wait for a high quality book that doesn't stress out the creators yeah yeah well, for me this week, I, I read a bunch of stuff. Um, really quick, I do want to mention I read Fence Volume 3 for the second time because I wanted to catch myself up and boy, oh boy, I love that book. Uh, but I also read 
uh, Batman number 76 and 77. And all I want to say about this is Tom King is great. Tony S. Daniel and Michael Janin's art. Uh, I have some thoughts about it, but I'm not going to get too deep into it. Um, all I care about in this series right now is seeing Damian Wayne being the baddest boy who gets on his not actually grandpa's nerves because that's kind of what's happening in the book. There's a Batman from another universe who's also Bruce Wayne's dad in that universe. And there's a whole backstory to it. But Damian Wayne shows up and he's just like, you're not my real grandpa. Don't talk to me. And he's like, I am your grandpa. And then they get in a fight. And that's all I want for like another 55 or 60 pages is just them yelling at each other because Damian Wayne is so is captured so well by Tom King. And I just love snarky teenagers sometimes. Not all the time, but just sometimes. <laughs> uh, but the books that the book that I actually want to talk about is Fair Lady. Uh, I read issues number one or excuse me, numbers two and three. This is uh, Brian Schrimmer, uh, Louis, Mary, Marissa Louise and Claudia Balboni. Um, those two on art. Um, I didn't think that I needed like a fantasy police procedural in comic book form, but you know what? I needed it. I found out that I actually love it. You can count me in with the resounding chung chung law and order style. Uh, <laughs> I'm a few issues behind on this. I think the fifth issue either just came out or is about to come out, but um, I just had time to read two issues and I sat down and read them. Uh, I, I didn't think that after you're reading issue one, I would be super hooked, but I wanted to give this book a chance because I felt like there was a much bigger world beyond what was just shown in issue one. And as you read through issues two and three, while you only get these like very tiny slices of the world of Fair Lady, of the, the quote unquote, the Feld, where a lot of these stories take place, um, it's very clear that there is a larger story where after a war, some war kind of war happened, people became police officers after they fought in the war. Why did they do that? Why are some people considered like fair men or fair ladies? Um, why is Jenner, our main character, the only fair lady? There's kind of this like punch at the patriarchy kind of thing that's happening in this book. Um, I really enjoy that Jenner, she only takes weird fringe cases in the world of the Feld, where, uh, or at least this city called the Feld, where she only investigates cases that other like police officers won't investigate because they're too far-fetched or they seem like they're made up. And she always ends up solving them. And it's it's a really cool series of one-shots one that are building on a bigger story about Jenner, about why she's living in this really tall tower with this guardian who guards all of this former wizards uh library stuff it's there's a lot of world building happening in each issue and i'm really enjoying it so i'm going to pick up the next thing um yeah it's it's i'd recommend it for anyone who just who likes a good crime book that takes place not in like a real world setting um i don't know if, if you liked uh what is it gotham Oh, what's the story by Brian K. Vaughn that he did uh, where it was about like Renee Montoya just solving mysteries and crimes in Ooh. Gotham. I feel like was you might Gotham like this Central? book as well. Yeah, Gotham Central. Thank you. Oh, that book uh, was so good. Yeah. And I mean, I I don't want to like disparage this book by saying like it's it's at that level or whatever because we're only a couple of issues in. Um, but yeah, it's it's been really fun. Like I think the first three issues really hooked me. I'm going to grab the rest um, and see how the trade itself fills out because I think one through five is going to be the first volume. So yeah. Um, I'm also reeling, I should say, from the live chat that we had on Friday. Like, I drink a lot of baseball whiskey. And, you know, I'm not going to explain what the baseball whiskey is because you kind of had to be there. But boy, oh boy, we had a blast. And then I watched 
whiplash afterwards because I was very drunk. And I don't know why, but that movie speaks to me. Anyways, you got to show up to the next one, folks. It was it was a blast. We all hung out and just talked about comic books and Star Wars and stuff. It was great. Uh, but yeah, let's, uh, let's move on. Let's talk about comic books that are coming out this upcoming week. Books are dropping on September 4th, 2019. Now, we're all going to go read and talk about going to the chapel number one. But other than going to the chapel, what are you guys excited for this week? I'm going to throw it over to you, Kara. All right, so obviously The Wicked and the Divine, number 45, the last issue, and in the show notes, I did write FIGHT ME in all caps because the last time I tried to pick Wictiv as my pick of the week, Mike was like, no, Tia picked it last week. And I was like, I realize that this is Tia's thing, but I'm allowed to like it too, Michael. So <laughs> it's the last one. I'm gonna, I'm gonna say um, I am trade waiting for it because I just like the story better as a trade but the last issue means that the last trade is coming and then i can cry into it i guess as i read it because yeah. <laughs> i don't know what else to do um and then another quick pick dc is doing uh, yet another showcase of harley quinn and poison ivy in harley quinn and poison ivy number one and i have so so many problems with harley quinn as a character that i won't get into here that said i genuinely enjoy her friendship slash maybe something more with poison ivy mm -hmm. and with marco roby producing the new harley quinn and the birds of prey movie i'm thinking oh are, are we reclaiming her as maybe a feminist queer character because i could be into that but we'll have to see so i'm tentatively excited about a new miniseries with her and poison ivy cool uh david what about you what are you excited for this upcoming week um yeah well um you know besides besides my book um there's there's a lot of great stuff out i think everybody's kind of coming out swinging this week um you know you've got doomsday clock you've got a new deceased spinoff you've got um uh i believe it's house of x or powers of x of course which i'm very excited about mm -hmm. um you know i, I want to give some shout outs to my buddies uh philip sevy um he's got his new book triage out uh, i've read it it's amazing um, there's a twist at the end that I'm not going to spoil, but it really makes the whole book. Um, uh, my buddy, uh, Elliot Rahal has, uh, his book, uh, Midnight Vista out, uh, from Aftershock. And that kind of really deals with, uh, some, some, some personal real life stories that he's dealt with, with his stepfather. Um, uh, but yeah, I, I, you know, those are, those are all some really terrific books and, uh, you know, I'm excited, uh, I'm excited to see my, my, my friend's works, uh, uh, hitting the stands they're 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 really terrific if you buy only one book this week buy going to the chapel but if you buy three books <laughs> buy triage and midnight vista as well cool cool kate what about you i just talked about nuclear winter volume two the last time i was on the podcast mm -hmm. but nuclear winter volume three is coming out this week so it's basically fate that i read volume two recently and it turns out that this is the last volume, so I'm equally excited and very, very sad because this book is adorable, and the last two have been about friendship and family and mental health, so I'm ready for another another one just like that. Um, the nuclear winter was caused by something we don't know what, but I guess in this last volume, we're going to find out. Oh, boy. that's This sounds like a lot. Do you do you know who this this is published by? By chance? Oh, my gosh. I don't. It's by Cab. It's a um, Canadian, originally Canadian, and then it's translated for publication in the U.S. Oh, okay, okay. So this is like a, a translated book. I got gotcha. you. Okay. Well, yep, keep it's an eye out. Cool. Very cool. 
Um, well, for me this week, uh, in my notes, I'm going to read exactly what I wrote, which is how the fuck am I supposed to pick between Die, Wick, Div, and House of X? And then I took a moment and I breathed deep and I was going to pick Batman 78 and I decided, no, fuck it. I'm picking House of X number four. This is by Hickman, Pepe Larraz with colors by Marty Gracia. Uh, I don't know what to say about this book without spoiling everything. But the end of issue three was a massive classic comic book cliffhanger, and I'm really excited to see how Jonathan Hickman just pulls back from that, if he does at all. Um, I think David kind of mentioned talking about this earlier, that there's a lot going on, and there's a lot of different lives and different realities, and Jonathan Hickman's wonderful graphic design of webs and circles and echoes of things in his uh, pages has basically implied that a lot of things are possible. And so I really don't know what else to say other than where do we go from here? Is this the beginning of like the end? Have we crescendoed in the book or are we still building towards something? I don't really know. So I'm, I'm very excited. This series is killer. I love this, this house of X powers of 10 thing. It's, it's killing me. This has been your X-Men minute. Thank you so much. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, okay well we're going to take a quick break and when we come back we're going to talk to David all about his fantastic new book that's coming out going to the chapel number one from Action Lab Comics we'll be back in just a moment we are here with David Pepos the writer creator of the series going to the chapel and we are talking about his new issue that's coming out this Wednesday. When you hear this episode on September 4th, you will be able to go and buy a copy of this at your local comic shop digitally, I'm guessing. Yep, somewhere. on Comixology. Yep, yeah, on you Comixology. Can get it on Comixology. So after you hear us talk about it, you're going to go hit that buy button is all I'm saying. Or you're going to go back to your comic shop and pick it up. Um, so David, could you give us just a brief overview of what going to the chapel is and why people should get into this book? Because Kate and Kara and I, we had the wonderful chance to sit down and read it before it came out um but for the folks at home who haven't read it yet what do you got to say about it yeah going to the chapel is the story of emily anderson who is a wealthy bride who is grappling with a serious case of cold feet Uh, but before she can say anything her wedding is taken over by a group of bank robbers known as the bad elvis gang and uh unfortunately thanks to emily's dysfunctional family what should have been a simple smash and grab turns into a full-blown standoff with the police and it lands emily in a, a very uh unique and awkward position namely becoming the ringleader of her own hostage situation to try to get out of walking down the aisle <laughs> well um Wow, I, I having read the first issue, I'm really curious to know how we get to that point because by the end of issue one, lots of things are not in that situation yet. So holy cow! <laughs> yeah, it's you know it's it's uh, you know it's 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 a wild first issue, um, and I I say our first issue is probably the slowest out of, out of our four issue arc. Okay. Um, you know, it's uh, we, we 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 tapped into a lot of different influences on this book, uh, you know, things from Die Hard and Dog Day Afternoon um, to uh, comedies like Arrested Development and Death at a Funeral and sort of finding where that overlap lies. Um, you know, uh, li- like I was saying, uh, you know, Dog Day Afternoon is one of my favorite crime movies, and it's because it's a hostage situation at a bank. And seeing how the the line between the criminals and their hostages start to blur a bit, 
um, and you start kind of empathizing for these these people, and even the hostages start empathizing for their captors. Mm-hmm. Um, that was kind of, I thought, a fun dynamic. And I think also the more – and anybody who's sort of been in an extended family gathering can probably empathize with this – is that the longer you are sort of trapped uh, in an enclosed space with your extended family, the weirder people tend to get. Um, their masks start to slip <laughs> a bit. And I thought there was just such a, a, a fun bit of comedy that could be mined from uh, – you know, from, you know, uh, being locked in a chapel for 16 hours with your extended family with no with with no escape. Um, our tagline is love is the ultimate hostage situation. And uh, I, I feel like that's something that we 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 get to explore. And I think some very fun and very funny ways uh, with this series. For sure. Um, well, Kate and Kara, what were your initial thoughts on this book when you read through it? What do you, what were your like favorite moments that you read in issue one? I'm not allowed to talk about it. Oh, okay. okay. (laughs) (laughs) I know. I don't want to reveal a a twist, but, um, I will say that some, some moments leading up to plot twists I'm not supposed to talk about were some of my favorites. Like there's this one context free one panel where the bride-to-be just goes, oh, thank God. And I was like, oh, I feel that. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> oh, I feel that. Oh, my God. So it was it was re- really, I think, effective. And, like, there were, there were so many characters introduced in this issue. Like David said, like, this is the extended family. So in one issue, you're meeting so many people right away. But I felt like right away I knew who everyone was. Like, superficially probably they get more into it in further issues i'm sure but like right away i had an idea of like kind of where i was oriented in terms of who i was rooting for and who i already liked and who i was already ambivalent about and um i really liked that thank you so much um you know i that was part of the reason i wanted it i i why i i the idea once i had the idea of, of doing a crime hostage story at a wedding I realized, oh, well, everybody's been to a wedding and I think everybody knows what dysfunctional family looks like. Um, and the thing, the cool thing about weddings is, you know, it's very hierarchical. I mean, you know, there's the maid of honor, there's the best man, there's the father of the bride, there's, you know, and the flower girl. And so being able to sort of kind of hit those marks and then take our own little, uh, you know, bizarre twists on all these characters, um, you know, I, I I used to take classes at Upright Citizens Brigade and uh, for 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 sketch writing and, and and improv. And the 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 thing that they always told me that really stood out was it's easier to remember than invent. And I feel uh, yeah. like being able to sort of everybody's got an idea of what these types of characters and what these roles are supposed to look like, so you can kind of lean into it and then take like the kind of the most neurotic twist on it. Um, and that's what winds up informing Emily's kind of crazy extended family. These are people you would not want to be locked in a room with, even if there weren't bank robbers outside. (laughs) And so, uh, uh, seeing kind of how Emily has to navigate these bank robbers and the police outside and then her own very, very weird family trapped on the inside with her. Um, that's a lot of sparks are going to fly for sure. There's a moment where the bride asks her grandmother if she has any advice for the wedding, and the grandmother says, monogamy is overrated. Always have a side piece ready. That's what I learned back in Nam. 
I want her entire story. Yeah, yeah. Why would? Why does she know this? What was her experience? And then she hands the young, I think it's the younger sister or maybe the flower girl, a lighter. And then she runs around with the lighter going, wee, fire. <laughs> and I want to know where she's at in 10 years. So. You know, uh, Grandma Harriet, um, Grandma Harriet's a pistol. Um, she's, she's, I, I feel like, I feel like she's going to be like the breakout character of this book, which was, I mean, probably not intended, but I like every time that Grandma Harriet shows up, I'm like, oh, this is hilarious. I'm just going to write like the craziest grandma I've ever met. Um, and then, yeah, uh, Olive, our flower girl, uh, she's got some fun moments, uh, especially in issue three. Um, yeah, I, I, uh, uh, grandma Harriet was actually based on my own grandma, uh, grandma Helen, who, uh, she, she did not, she did not kill anyone in Nam as far as that I'm aware. But I, I, uh, I, I feel like if, if my, if my grandma Helen had lived to be at a wedding that was, uh, taken over by bank robbers, she would absolutely act exactly as grandma Harriet. So if I get struck by lightning between now and when the trade drops on Valentine's Day, you know what happened. But um, yeah, that, <laughs> that, that is that I can I can definitely have the tagline based on a true grandma. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> I also really liked the dad character. We see him like I think for less than four panels in the whole issue, but he left quite an impression he's just terrible like the the panel that i liked was where he's like on the phone trying to like wrangle doves for this wedding like he needs doves for this wedding so he's just like if you don't get a thousand doves here in half an hour i'll make it so you can't even get work at a kfc and i was like oh you're the worst i would like more (laughs) i would like to read more about you please thank you Arthur is a weird guy and he's got a very specific aesthetic for this wedding. Uh, yeah. uh, pro- possibly like, like weirdly specific. Um, but yeah, he's, uh, you know, uh, yeah, Arthur and, and, uh, and Emily's mother, Francine, who, um, uh, one of my favorite reviews so far was talking about how Francine is out. eye banging all the help. And, um, <laughs> I, yeah, um, they, they are, uh, you know, Emily doesn't have a lot of great uh, uh, role models in terms of like what a good loving relationship looks like. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, she. You know, when I say that we used Arrested Development as as sort of a, a big influence in our book, um, you know, imagine if you grew up in the Bluth family and then they got caught in a hostage situation. That's kind of what you're going to get in this book. Is that you know um, they're not going to be like doing the chicken dances, but they're it's it's pretty close um they uh yeah i think these this is a family that they're very rich and i think that means that they're very removed from like what normal people do um they're 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 so rich that they don't have to even act normal um and i think um that's something that's gonna i think throw a wrench in the bad elvis gang's plans you know you can only have a a a a, uh, a a plan for a bank robbery is if you're you know if your victims are rational actors and they <laughs> they're gonna find out very quickly oh no these guys are lunatics um yeah uh you know uh, to be honest the the bad elvis gang despite you know being bank robbers they're probably the most normal people in this situation and uh so they're gonna kind of constantly find themselves scratching their heads at just like how weird their hostages are and like 
there 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 will be some moments where some of the Elvises are like, can we just shoot these people, please? Like, it's just anything to get them to like quit being so weird. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I. <laughs> now, the more the more you talk about it, the more I'm just like, oh God, where could this go? Where is this going to go for the for this gang? And now I almost feel bad for the gang trying to rob the wedding. Was that yes. like the intent? <laughs> yeah, you, like it's 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 one of those things. Um, you know, like like uh, any good heist, there are layers to it, and um, uh, it's it's sort of a combination of heist and jailbreak in, in, in a way. Because uh, you know, once this uh, once this heist kind of goes sideways, everybody's trapped in this chapel, including the bank robbers, and so everyone's sort of trying to figure out how can we get out in one piece. Tom, the leader of the Bad Elvis Gang, um, he's got an ulterior motive. Um, he he sort of has an, another plan that he has not exactly revealed to his 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 coworkers, uh, and uh, so yeah, there's going to be sort of a lot of kind of twisting allegiances going on and a lot of secrets i think that's a a big part of the series is it's about secrets and lack of communication and sort of people twisting themselves in knots rather than sort of coming clean and talking to the people that they love and trust the most um so yeah you should definitely feel a little bad for the bad elvis gang um you know they they walk in thinking that they've got the upper hand and um, it's kind of one of those Rorschach moments where it's like, oh, I'm not trapped in here with you. You're trapped in there with them. Um, and so, uh, but I kind of like that dynamic of seeing, you know, how do the bank robbers influence the hostages and how do the hostages influence the bank robbers? And Emily is sort of kind of at the center of all this. Uh, you know, she's going to be, you know, she's terrified about what her future looks like. She has no idea kind of what where she wants it to go she doesn't know what her happily ever after should look like and so um she's gonna have to kind of navigate uh you know both sides to to sort of try to buy herself enough time to kind of decide what does she want to do with her life um the problem is is that when you have the cops outside who are looking to break down the door uh you don't really have a whole lot of time for soul searching and you know uh, you know the only hope is that you know nobody makes emily's decision for her yeah, and I guess we we find out more of how that that plays out in the in the coming issues. Yeah. Uh, speaking of that, is this uh, like a? I mean, it seems like there's a very time sensitive side to this. Um, yes. How long of a series are, should people be looking forward to if they're going to grab onto this book? This is a four issue miniseries, uh, just like okay. Spencer and Locke and Spencer and Locke too. Uh, you know, my 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 philosophy is um, I don't want to keep readers uh, on the hook any longer than they have to be. Uh, also for my own sanity and my wallet um, uh, to make sure that I don't go crazy trying to uh, extend the story further than it needs to be. Right. But that said, uh, you know, I do always write uh, stories with uh, at least an idea for sequels in mind. And as, as bizarre as it would be, I do have sequel ideas for going to the chapel. Um, if Father of the Bride can pull off a part two, so can we. And, <laughs> um, you know, because so much of this book is about, uh, you know, it's it's not so much fear of it's fear of commitment but it's also it's fear of change and it's fear of growth and i think there's a it's very a universal thing that i think it's sometimes very easy to self-sabotage um when you're on the cusp of sort of a big life-changing moment and you know uh i think weddings and marriage you know of course that's one of the sort of the most important decisions you can make of your life but it's not the only sort of world-shaking moment in your life and so um, 
you know, there are definitely other milestones that would be kind of fun to explore. And I think seeing, you know, the, the, the bad Elvis gang, they're, they're a fun group of bad guys. I mean, honestly, it's true. The bad guys really do have more fun. And so I, I, I'd love to tell another story with them. And, uh, you know, if, if, uh, if the demands there, uh, you know, never say never. Very cool. This, uh, this has me a bit worried now since I'm getting married in two weeks. Um, uh, you think that heists like this usually happen at a lot of weddings or? Uh, not, not, not a ton. <laughs> Although I, you know, it's funny. I read, uh, I read a news story recently where, uh, apparently a wedding was robbed for all of their registry gifts. So uh, keep 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 a lock on those registry gifts, and I think you'll be okay. Okay, good. <laughs> <laughs> oh goodness! So you know, putting putting a book together is a whole complicated thing. I know you've worked with Action Lab in the past, and uh, mm-hmm. it seems like you guys have a pretty good working relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, where did you find Gavin, Elizabeth, and Ariana to to put this book together? The yeah, other so, the other creators on this book. Sure. So uh, uh, the artist on, on on our book, Gavin Guidry, um, he was the first member of the team I found. Um, uh, you know, it goes to show just how long the development process can be for comics. Is that I reached out to him um, about a little over two years ago uh, about this project, oh, and wow. uh, you know, I I had written the treatment um, uh, in the first issue uh, after the first arc of Spencer and Locke, um, and. Uh, Gavin had just finished his uh, a, a one shot on Comicsology called The Night Driver, and I was really impressed with the way that he was able to so quickly uh, uh, shift gears between sort of this very stylish kind of violent action, and then sort of shifting immediately to these very funny expressive moments of like a guy flossing his teeth and looking like an idiot doing it, and so I uh, I, I thought like oh you know he'd be a really strong pick for this book. And so, um, you know, he was working on a uh, he was working on the death defying uh, with Chris Sabella. They were doing, you know, a Kickstarter on that. And um, I uh, so I reached out to him and I just said, hey, here's our first script. And here's sort of where I've got this idea in mind. And um, Gavin really, you know, took to it nicely. Um, You know, uh, not only, you know, did he play such a big. Uh, role in kind of the character design you know he and I talked a lot about fashion and sort of what each of the characters look like and you know if they're if if these were played by an actor on you know in Hollywood who's who's the who's the voice that I was thinking of when I wrote it um and, you know even going down to like their personalities and how does all that work so um Gavin actually uh wound up constructing a full chapel for this series. Um, he and I went through every sort of scene and every kind of action beat and choreographed it almost like a football play. So he built a chapel, uh, a three dimensional, fully rendered, fully manipulated, uh, uh, chapel in SketchUp. So every scene you see in this book, that's based on the blueprint that we designed in issue one. So, um, yeah, he's, Gavin is like a speed demon. Um, you know, (laughs) it, 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 it's, it's, you know, I'm used to you know uh, my 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 artist and co-creator of Spencer and Locke, Jorge Santiago Jr. He works entirely traditionally, and so you know he, he's got to pace himself, and you know so he doesn't blow out his wrist. Gavin does a combination of um, he does uh, uh, pencils digitally and inks traditionally, and he's got you know he's got a very streamlined style. You know, it's kind of like in that Jamie McKelvey, uh, Doc Shanner kind of school, mm-hmm. and so um, he he draws fast, and that was that really lit a fire under me i'm not the fastest writer in the world so 
I was glad that I had the treatment so locked down uh, because it was just, you know, it, it, it meant that I could kind of focus just on the characters and being able to sort of cram in as much characterization as I could in, you know, in a panel or two. So, um, uh, Ariana, uh, was the next member of the team that I brought on. Um, I, uh, I had spoken with Colin Bell, my letter on Spencer and Locke and based on the, the, the production timetable, um, I, I realized I was like, okay, I've got to have Colin focused on Spencer and Locke too, since we were, we were in the process of, of, of getting that book made. And so, um, I, I thought at the time, you know, um, because Gavin and I have looked in the mirror, we're, 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 we're both men. And, um, this is a book, you know, uh, you know, a, a female led book, you know, sort of, uh, talking about a bride and sort of, uh, you know, her kind of her fears of commitment. I thought, you know, it was, it would be important to, to bring women onto the team. Um, you know, and so, uh, I had really liked Ariana's work on Nancy Drew, um, uh, I loved kind of the way that she made that book. She really made all the one-liners sing in that book. And so Ariana felt like really the, 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 the only natural choice for this book. And, um, she's just been, you know, a godsend uh, to the whole team. Um, she, she's sort of the most experienced veteran out of all of us. Um, and so she's sort of the one who's able to say, Hey David, like just in terms of like actual print specs, you need, you should do X, Y, and Z. And so, um, and the fact that she makes all my one-liners bounce, that, 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 that's a huge help. Mm-hmm. Um, Liz Kramer, um, is our secret weapon. She's our colors for the book. She was the, the final member of the team that we brought on board. And I can't say enough good things about Liz. Um, she's going to be the next Laura Martin. Um, she is fantastic. We had gone oh, yeah. through uh, a number of colorists on chapel, but either due, you know, to scheduling or just due to, you know, the, 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 the styles meshing, we, we hadn't found sort of the colorist that I thought was the home run yet. And, um, you know, Jason Smith really proved this to me in Spencer and Locke, which is, um, finding the right colorist is so important on a book. It really makes or breaks the book. Um, because a good colorist can elevate any art, but a bad colorist, or I should even say the, the wrong colorist can tank even the strongest art. Right. And, right. uh, Liz, I think it, you know, she's, she's sort of that rare gem where like, she just knocked it out of the park. Um, this is her direct market debut. Uh, uh, she as well as Gavin. And, um, I, you know, I'm, I'm waiting for her to start racking up award nominations for this book. Um, she adds such a lovely sense of texture to the book, mm-hmm. um, that I think you don't really see in the direct market very much. Um, it's sort of the, the, the more you look at it, the more you can see, um, it's almost sort of a granular kind of texture to it. And she's also very literate in terms of her influences. Uh, she and I talked a lot about, uh, Matt Wilson's work in black widow. Oh, uh, yeah. we talked. Uh, 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 Patricia Martin's work in Secret Weapons uh, over at Valiant, particularly the way that uh, Patricia um, she uses accent colors a lot, and so mm-hmm. she'll 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 have very unorthodox palettes based on that. And uh, taking those two cues, um, Liz really made the palette her own. Um, this is a book, you know, and I think it's fitting. This conceptually, this is a book unlike anything you're going to find in the direct market, and I think visually it needed to also look like something that you'd never see in, in, in the direct market. And I think, I think Liz is, is chiefly responsible for that. Um, I'm so excited that, that, that this is sort of her direct market debut. 
Um, I'm already working with her on another book. That's how much I enjoyed working with her. Oh, nice. Um, and so, uh, yeah, like you sort of put that dream team together. And, you know, my secret as a writer is uh, work with artists who look so good that it doesn't matter what you write. And then people will just say, oh, your writing was really great uh, because they'll be so in love with the art. Um, <laughs> and we've got a real murderer's row of talent uh, uh, on board for, uh, for, for our cover art for this series. Uh, you know, Gavin's doing a line of covers. Mon House from Spencer and Locke is also joining us for a round of variants. But our main covers, uh, like I said, I wanted to bring in as many women artists involved in this book as possible. Um, and we really swung for the fences getting to sort of bring in people who they, they, they wouldn't have time to do a monthly, but they would have time to do a cover. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, you, you know, you'll see, uh, you know, for issue one that comes out on, uh, on Wednesday, uh, you know, Lisa Sterl from long lost and, uh, and submerged. Uh, she, she did our, our main cover and really kind of knocked it out of the park. I think it so sums up what our series is about. Um, Sweeney Boo uh, from Marvel Action, Captain Marvel, is doing our issue two cover. And uh, I love it. Uh, a Bride in Combat Boots. Who would not want to see that? Um, uh, issue three, Emily Pearson from The Wilds is doing our, 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 our cover. Nice. And, and you know what? Because, because you name dropped Fence, um, I will, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll reveal this exclusively here. Oh, snap. Uh, Joanna the Mad from fence is doing our fourth and final cover um, and it's poster worthy um, I, I'll, I, I, it's it's a little while before we can share it uh, but it is um, where we it ends the series in a home run um, and you know we've got some really terrific artists uh, doing convention variants for us uh, MJ Erickson from the thrilling adventure hour did our San Diego comic-con variant it was a stained glass window uh, uh, cover that is just uh, uh, beautiful. Uh, you really can't get it anywhere else anymore. Mm -hmm. um, uh, 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 Liz Kramer is doing our Rose City Comic Con cover. Uh, she's doing a wraparound cover. It's beautiful. And then uh, Hannah Templar from Glow is uh, is hard at work on our New York Comic Con cover right now. Holy so, smokes! Uh, yeah. So <laughs> this we've, is we've a killer. <laughs> we've got we've we you know and and the great thing about approaching these artists who are all just so talented so terrific is um it meant a lot saying this is what the book is about here's what here's the book um and 201 everybody saying i love this book um for me it kind of feels like uh, you know, I, I feel like we sort of hit that 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 bullseye that we were shooting for for this series mm -hmm. and you know, i you know i I feel like there is a, a, a section of uh, of the demographic that is not being catered to in the direct market. And that was part of the reason why I wanted to sort of go off the beaten path a little bit and try a genre like romantic comedies, which is a genre that the direct market is basically allergic to. Um, <laughs> and, you know, I, I feel like uh, I look at comics as almost in, in, in an existential way. Uh, what's it going to take to make to, to make our environment sustainable for future generations. Uh, right. how do I keep, how do I keep my kids reading comics? How do I keep myself employed in comics for the rest of my life? Um, and I think the only way you can do that is to build a wider consensus of readers. You want to bring people into the table. Um, you want to say, Hey, don't get me wrong. I love superhero books, but n not everybody does. And so I want to sort of have a wide collection 
of stories that are accessible and that can cater to people who are maybe not looking sort of for the, the capes and tights power fantasies um, that, uh, you know, people who don't maybe even read comics, um, uh, you know, anybody who says, you know, I've had people tell me Spencer and Luck was my first comic and I loved it. And that's sort of all you need is one favorite comic to get you hooked for life. Right. And so I, you know, I, I feel like that's the reason why, you know, we're kind of taking this, 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 this rom-com from hell approach is, uh, I wanted to write a rom-com that I thought everybody can enjoy. And, uh, and, and hopefully this is it. Well, yeah, I mean, <laughs> I think, uh, I mean, for this issue, you, you hooked me, that's for sure. I mean, the, the twist that we shall not speak about, um, definitely added another layer of interest um, for me on this book, on top of the already intriguing idea of, you know, a wedding gone wrong with, you know, robbers in masks. I mean, I'm a sucker for that kind of stuff. I'll watch Point Blank whenever I can, if, if I have the time to do so. So I, I really dig on it. Um, but Kara, Kara and Kate, I, I realize I, I maybe have been dominating the conversation. Did you guys have any other, any questions for <laughs> David you want to throw at him? I must know, where did the Elvis concept come from? Because I love it. Well, so you know, I, I'm a huge fan of Point Break, um, and I so I wanted I wanted my 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 bank robbers to have a gimmick, and I thought to myself, you know, what what's what's an icon that you could use in, in a wedding situation, and it made me think of Las Vegas and and sort of the quickie wedding, and I thought of all the Elvis impersonators, you know, <laughs> uh, you know, at, you know, the Chapel of Love. And I thought, like, oh, the Elvises, like, it just perfectly sums up kind of the tone and the vibe we're, we're going for for this series. You know, we're looking for something a little stylish, a little irreverent, a little badass. Um, and Elvis, you know, based on sort of all the incarnations of Elvis that we've seen, um, he encapsulates all of that, you know. And so, you know, we have, you know, we have uh, young Elvis. We have fat Elvis. We've got African-American Elvis. We've got zombie Elvis. Um, and so that sort of bad Elvis gang, um, seeing those different characters, it also just, it's, you know, when you're juggling so many characters, you have to have shorthand. Um, and so I thought that was kind of a really effective way to kind of, uh, show off what these characters' personalities would look like. You, you, you gotta have a certain, uh, flair for the dramatic if you're going to rob a bank wearing a bright red suit and an Elvis mask. Mm-hmm. And uh, I feel like that's that's kind of the vibe we were shooting for, for with the Elvises. I want to know if we will ever get Grandma's Nom story. Um, <laughs> yeah, it, 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 we'll, 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 we, we're not going to get we're 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 not going to go to to the jungles of Kisan with 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 Grandma. But uh, I I, I uh, let's just say. Grandma, Grandma has lots of opinions and lots of things to talk about, and um, suffice to say, I, we have a trailer out that 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 certainly uh, 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 has has a little bit of a spoiler to it. We'll get to see Grandma put some of her nom training to use. Yes, <laughs> I'm uh, so ready. So uh, yeah, if you're a fan of Grandma Harriet, um, issue three, you're gonna. Grandma Harry is probably my favorite member of Emily's extended family. I'm sure it shows. And uh, yeah, keep your eyes on the grandma. She's she's don't underestimate Grandma Harriet. Very cool. <laughs> I just have to say, I love how enthusiastic you are about your book. And like, 
you assume that most creators love what they're doing, but you sound like someone who's fanboying out over this book, but it's your book. And I and I really love it. I really appreciate like your enthusiasm more than like I, I did really enjoy reading issue one, but your enthusiasm more than anything else is making me be like, yeah, let's do this. Let's yeah. read this whole series. <laughs> Just wait. It's going to get better with each issue. I, I The thing is, is that, um, uh, you know, my, 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 my friends in the comics industry, they rag at me a little bit for, you know, I don't write quite as fast as they do. And my thought is I don't measure twice and cut once. I measure like 10 times and, and cut once. I, I sort of work through all of my self-doubt and neuroses before I even start writing. And so if a concept has sort of made the cut, I come up with ideas every single day. The, the thing is, is that a, a significant portion of those ideas the next day, I'm like, that was a stupid idea. I'm not doing this. <laughs> um, and and it's, it's the ideas that have like a human core to it that sort of, I start, I keep thinking about them like weeks later. Um, those are the ones that really kind of like, I get, I get really excited about those. I, I feel like if I'm not excited about the book, I can't expect readers to be. And I, I do a lot of hand selling at conventions. I, I've done 15, I'll, I think by the end of this year, I'll have done 15 shows. And oh, wow. um, I talk to a lot of people. And, and so I, I think People say, oh, you'd be a great salesperson. I'm like, oh, no, I'd be a terrible salesperson because I can only sell stuff I believe in. And I uh, I believe in these books. And I think it helps working with such talented creative teams, you know, Gavin, Liz, Ariana, uh, Chapel, and, and, and Jorge, uh, Jason, and Colin on, on, on Spencer and Locke. Um, for me, people, you know, people have asked, why don't you write novels? Or uh, And I think, well, I don't get artwork back on novels. Like, writing comics you get artwork back and it's the best bit of like positive reinforcement you could possibly get mm-hmm. um, uh, you know the moment i start seeing art come in i get real fired up uh, because my art teams add so much to the to the mix um, they really kind of they they take my scripts and they really just bring them to life in such a fun and unique way that um you know i don't have the discipline to write a novel because nobody would give me art as a reward. I, mm-hmm. I respond, I respond very well to dessert. And so, uh, art, art is kind of my dessert. And so, um, yeah, it's, it's just really exciting. And I feel like, um, you know, I may have talked about this a little on my, on, on the last time I spoke with you guys, but it, it was a zigzag path for me to get into comics. Um, I tried every stable job and, uh, I did not, I did not have fun. And to be honest, I don't think I did particularly well. Uh, this is the first, thing that I've done that I've just really enjoyed and just felt passionate about that I felt like I'm good at this. Um, I, I, I know, I, I know that when I put out a product, um, uh, and I hate the word product, I should say when I put out a story, I can sleep at night knowing that I left it all in the field and that my team left it all out in the field and that we're, we're exploring something that's got a human core to it. It's not product. Um, and in fact, product is sort of my least favorite word. Product is just going through the motions. And, um, you know, I, anybody can write a scenario, um, but it takes something else to write a story, something that can speak to, to a stranger. So maybe that's like a very hoity-toity way of me looking at, at comics. But I, uh, it's hard not to get excited about stories like this. Um, I feel like there's a fun element of risk to it. And I think that... Um, you know, I think everybody has been in love. 
at some point in their lives, I think. I think I, and, and sometimes relationships go really well. Sometimes they go really poorly and they turn into like the Hindenburg of, 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 of romance. Hmm. Um, these relationships, though, they, they, they form us and they shape us. And that's something I think that's a universal theme. And I think that's something that we're exploring and going to the chapel. Um, Emily's going to have to face her past before she decides what her future is. Um, and I think when you look at it like that, um, you know, it's, it's hard not to fall in love with the story, I think. Um, so yeah, I, I, I uh, you know, I believe in this story. I'm a true believer. And I think I'm excited to see where this story goes and I'm excited to see where my creative team, uh, uh, uh comes out of this book. Yeah. Well, um, I think that is a perfect place to round things off because honestly, I just want to know about every single page and panel of this book and I don't want to go through it for another hour um, because I just am going to read it again. I'm, I'm very excited <laughs> to see where this book goes because like you said, you know, this is this is a pretty this is a pretty well put together book, my friend. And uh, just look at like I'm paging through it as we're talking and it's just it is a gorgeous book. It's it's funny. It's well put together. Like from beginning to end, you've got a solid number one. I'm very much looking forward to the next three issues of this book. So, um, yeah, this is this has been super great, David. Thank you. Oh, of course. Thank you guys for taking the time. Uh, well, let's let's wrap ourselves up here in, in our credits as we always do. David, before we get into that, where can people find you on the internet if they want to reach out and ask you questions about Grandma's Time in Nam or anything else about this book? <laughs> yeah, well, they can follow me on Twitter. Uh, my my uh, Twitter and Instagram, my handle is PepoSD on both of those. They can also follow my new newsletter. It's, at, uh, it's called Pep Talks. It's uh, bit.ly slash pepnews. Um, and then they can follow, uh, go into the chapel on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. It's just go to the chapel, one word. And, uh, of course, Spencer and Locke also on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Spencer and Locke. Don't forget, you can follow the rest of us on Twitter as well. You can follow Kara at Kara Szam. You can follow Kate at Kate L. Fear. You can follow me at Mike Rappin. And the show is on Twitter and Instagram at IRCB Podcast, where we post all sorts of news and sass and art and more. You can find us on Patreon at patreon.com slash IRCB Podcast. Without your support, this show would not survive. Join our Patreon for exclusive audio and articles, early access to Top of My Pile posts, and more. Our Goodreads group is a fantastic group of comic book friends. We have weekly threads. We're currently voting on September's Book of the Month, and the theme is Eisner Award winners. The results of our poll might be up by the time you listen to this episode, so check that out. All of the nominations are fantastic so far. You can visit our website at ircbpodcast.com, which includes our creator pronunciation guide and our merchandise, including our fabulous new t-shirts. And please remember to rate and review our show, and we will read your review on an episode. We have over 200 episodes of the I Read Comic Books podcast, and we would love to have 200 reviews. You can email the show with what you've been reading, recipes, corrections, and more at ircbpodcast at gmail.com. Infinity Shred is the best band in the universe. They do all the music for our show. We can't thank them enough for letting us use their music. Their new album is stupendous. Make sure to check that out at infinityshred.com. Xander is a high wizard of the grandest scale. He also edits the show, and he's just a plain nice guy. I want to say thank you to Kate and Kara for being on this episode. Special thanks to David. Thank you so much for being on the episode this week. And thank you to everyone out there who listens to the show and hangs out with us on Discord. Remember to jump on our Discord. We're going to have another live episode coming up probably sometime after I get married. I'll let you guys know. We'll talk about it on the show. But until next time, comics are good and so are you.